1: Welcome once again to A Came From the Rail, the official of the Big This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking. We are here live, virtual distancing, of course, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library, for our 58th live show. And I am here with our special guest who we're going to be talking to, with, and about, which is awesome because he's right here. We have Christian S. L. Lewis. Say hi, Christian.
2: Thanks, Mark. Hi. How are you doing?
1: I am doing well. So um, before we talk to him, we have to take it away. Up to news. It's more than time. News is brought to you in part by the fine folks of sci-fi.radio. That's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks at the Big Apple Con, which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 26 years of comic and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. Their next convention is scheduled for December, all the way in December 17th, which is their Big Apple Christmas Con. Tickets are on sale right now, and I believe they have uh, artist Jim Strankel as one of their headliners. also want to give out shout-outs for our Patreons of which there are Danny Grohl, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unjikon, Shadow Rabbit Art, Yasmin and Ray, and Rosa. If you want to have your own little shout-out, go to our website, www.camefromhere.com. There's a button on there. It takes you right to our Patreon page, and just for a dollar a month, you can be, you can get a shout-out on our show. So as we always do, we always start off with the sad news. So let's start off with the sad news, because we have a lot A sad news. So, Grizzly, you picked a great day to be on our show because we have Mm -hmm. tons and tons of sad news. Oh, no. So, let's see. Uh, First bit of sad news. Manga artist and creator of Yu-Gi-Oh! Kaizu Takahashi, professionally known as Kazuki Takahashi, died recently from drowning. It turns out that Kaizuki's body was found by Japanese Coast Guard officers off the shore of Okinawa wearing snorkeling gear with bite marks from a shark. It was later determined that he had died one to two days prior of his body being found. For those of you who don't know, Yu-Gi-Oh! initially was a weekly series published in Japan in the Shoten Jump magazine, where it became a huge success and has sold over 40 million copies. The series was adapted into anime television series and an immensely popular trading card game, which is valued around $17.1 billion. That's what it'd be, dollars. Uh, to put things into perspective... Peanuts, everybody knows Peanuts, Charlie, um, Charlie Brown is valued at $16.1 billion, with a B dollars. And you have Pokemon, which is valued at $118.5 billion, with a B dollars. Uh, he was 60 years old. Were you a fan of uh, Yu Gi Oh! that Christian?
2: Um, no, I never played. I, I was a little too old for it, but I had early on in my career a couple of commissions. To make similar cards for clients, so I'm familiar with the brand very much, and I hadn't heard the way he went. That's crazy. Uh, I I just you know saw that he passed away, and and wow, that's like something wild.
1: Yeah, it really is. And joining us is a uh, man, Jenny Feldy. Say hi. Eh?
2: Hello
0: from New York City, Delancey Street.
1: <laughs> oh, Delancey. So you just managed to get in time with a more our a, a, a sad news, a ton of the sad news today.
0: Jeez, all right. <laughs> um, I guess I'll find out later.
1: So let's see. Yeah. Uh, longtime actor James Caan also died recently. As of this recording, which is July 13, 2022, no cause of death has been announced. In over his 50-year career, James appeared in such films as Countdown, Brian's Song, The Godfather, and a sequel, Godfather 2, Slither, The Gambler, Gone with the West, Dick Tracy, Honeymoon in Vegas, The Program, Bottle Rocket, Eraser, Bulletproof, Poodle Strings, Mickey Blue Eyes, Lucky Town, The Way of the Gun, City of Ghosts, Elf, Wise Gal, Get Smart, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and a sequel, That's My Boy, The Outsider, Sicilian Vampire, The Good Neighbor, and Undercover Grandpa, just to name a few. On a small screen, James appeared in such shows as Magic City, Back in the Game, and of course his first uh, television series starring role, which was uh, Las Vegas, which I best know him for. Um, I remember I was watching Las Vegas because it was uh, oh, I forgot the name Josh Duhamel and Molly Sims was supposed to be a, it was supposed to be like a wacky TV show about stuff in Las Vegas. I think it was in the '90s. And, oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. And I remember an interview where uh, James Conn was like, I didn't like how my character was written, so I told him to change it. And they changed it. I was like, wow, that's so weird. That's power. Yeah. Because originally the show was supposed to be about these two people that fell in love. And he was supposed to be the, the father that didn't approve of the marriage. And he was supposed to be um, uh, disapproving through the entire episodes. And he's like, that doesn't, that doesn't uh, sound right. I want to be doing stuff. I want to be doing action. And then he like became, are you okay, Jen?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. New York City is just a little crazy right now.
2: <laughs> Remember no swearing. Uh... <laughs> no swearing.
0: Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Actually, I'm glad you reminded me because, you know, it's, uh, it's rare. Today's a rare day.
1: But the fact that I, I it's, it's amazing how he just managed to walk into a series and just change completely changed the role, and they did it, and the show was very successful for for what it was at the time.
2: You know, I, I'm a big fan, but actually, the movie list, the long movie list that you mentioned, doesn't mention the number one movie that I like him in, which is What's called, that? which is called Thief, Ooh. by Michael Mann. Oh yeah, that's right. It's it's one of the very first like neo noir uh, kind of criminal angola films yeah
1: well i mean the list was so long so sometimes you just have to pick a few but yeah i do really remember steve i do remember that uh i remember it existing i don't think i've ever seen it but i remember oh, it, it, it it's
2: existing. it's so good there's like a there's a, a great scene in that because he's he's just trying to make one big score and he doesn't have a lot of skills and uh and then my favorite scene is like he's talking with this girl he really likes and they're in a in a diner and he says, um, um, he says, you know, all I really got is like my little, my little magic trick, you know, like I'm just kind of playing this card over and over, you know, like, like that he doesn't have any skills. I I feel like I could relate that as a, as a freelancer sometimes, you know, like I feel that sometimes I'm just like, I just have like this little bag of tricks, you know, that's just getting me through in life.
1: Wow, so that's a very profound uh, connection you made with him. Oh, yeah. oh cool. so he was, and I,
2: and I look like him.
1: <laughs> you don't sound like him, though. I tell you that no, much.
2: No, <laughs> I don't look like him. That's a joke so for people <laughs> that would be able to see me.
1: Uh, so he was 82. Let's see. So moving on for even more oh, sad,
0: news.
1: more sad news. Actor Tony Cirisco. Sir- S-I-R-I-C-O, Sirico, also died recently, just three weeks before his 80th birthday. Much like the others, no cause of death has been announced. Tony appeared in such films as The One Man Jury, Defiance, Love and Money, The Last Flight, The Pickup Artist, Hello Again, Cookie, Godfellas, Goodfellas, sorry, Innocent Blood, The New York Cop, Romeo is Bleeding, Bullets Over Broadway, Dead Presidents, Mighty Aphrodite, Everyone Says I Love You, Deconstructing Harry, Copland, Mickey Blue Eyes, It Had to Be You, Calmer Calling, Cafe Society, and Wonder Wheel, just name a few. On a small screen, uh, Tony appeared in such shows slash made TV movies as In the Shadow of a Killer, Witness to the Mob, Elmo's Christmas Countdown, <laughs> Jersey Shore, Shark Attack. Now I got to see that movie. And of course, for 74 episodes of the cable series, The Sopranos, which ran from 1999 to 2007. Um, he was 79 years old. Now, I've never watched Sopranos. Now, I don't know, Jen, did you used to watch
2: Sopranos? Am I right about that?
0: Eh, not much, really. Nah, not much.
2: What about you, Christian? You're a Sopranos fan? You know, I never seen it, but uh, yeah, I never seen one episode. I hear it's good, though. <laughs>
1: that's, that's, that's what they say. <laughs> that's what they say. So yeah. Let's see. So moving on, uh, we have two more business news from uh, actor Gregory Itzen, I-T-Z-I-N, also died recently uh, due to complications during an emergency surgery. Uh, while Greg appeared in a slew of TV movies and shows and theatrical movies in almost his 40-year acting career. I, Mark, know him personally best as Charles Logan in 44 episodes of the Fox series 24, which ran from 2004 to 2010. Um, I remember his character. He played um, the president after the the third president. So it was uh, David Palmer was the first president in 24 series with Kiefer Sutherland. Then he had a nice guy, and then this president and he was such a, a detachment from the other two presidents he was a um uh, he played the villain and he also played the hero he, he was a very wide range character which is very rare for a series that you see on tv so i thought and he brought believability to the role so no matter if he was playing the villain if he was playing the hero if he was playing the middle ground you really believed his motivation and his acting and i think it was really good for that um were you a fan of uh, 24 christian
2: I'm sorry to say, uh, I, that's another show I, I don't watch. I haven't watched a lot of shows. I'm more of a film guy. Okay,
1: fair enough. Yeah. Jen, are you a 24 fan? Should I ask? Should I keep going? I think Jen is driving. Don't don't talk and drive.
2: She's definitely talking, uh, I, driving. Well, and she's, talking. she's muted.
1: I don't know if she knows if she's muted or not.
2: Yeah. So welcome to to the modern
1: age. All right, Give so moving on. No, I said
0: I can talk and drive. I just get oh. next and drive.
1: Okay, okay, yeah, so were you a fan of 24 by chance?
0: No, of course
1: not. <laughs> that, that was a lot awesome. of effort to get there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry.
1: It's okay. So final bit of sad news. Let's, let's, get to, let's finish the sad news. Oh. Um, music composer Monty Norman also died recently. Uh, also, uh, no cause has been announced. Norman is best known for writing the James Bond theme song heard in 25 of James Bond films starting way back in 1962 with Dr. No all the way up to No Time to Die. What's interesting about this is that Norman was hired to score the entire film of Dr. No only to be replaced by John Barry who went on to score 11 additional James Bond films and until a lawsuit was filed and one claimed that he was the creator of the theme song. So he wasn't even getting credit for most of his career as the guy what? who created the James Bond theme song. But now, because of uh, legalities, he is now legally recognized as the man who created the James Bond theme song. Now, I know it's a
2: you've seen it. At least... Sometimes.
0: Yeah. Who's, the, 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 Who's the James Lord Bond? Song. Yeah, what's James Bond?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Is it like something you used to clock your bathroom? So like, <laughs> <laughs> you come out, you're like, yeah. oh, a, little, a little James Bond, and goes right in. We'll we we'll
1: we'll clock that right up. I,
2: I think technically yeah. you should be able to trademark that for a different product, right? <laughs> oh, I don't
1: know. Yeah, actually, collect, um, collect as long as, as as long as it's not legally uh, confusing, you can mm-hmm. have James mm-hmm. Bond <laughs> no.
2: adhesive. Yeah, just don't don't have a mascot with like uh, a tuxedo on the cover. Yeah, exactly.
0: Jimmy Jimmy Bond.
2: <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Bond. I like oh, it.
0: Yeah, just oh, in right. the chimney. Just you gotta chimney it in. Just
1: Jimmy. it in. <laughs> so that's it for the sad news. Let's move on to the not a sad news, as we always like to do. Um, right. Let's see, from Here the
0: that's a lot of nuts
1: department. That's a lot of nuts. The new <laughs> Thor sequel has taken the number one spot and the domestic box office pulling in $144 million in ticket sales in its very first week of release, knocking off the new Menace sequel, which made an additional $46 million in its second week of release. For those of you keeping track, the new Top Gun sequel is still the highest-grossing film of this year, 2022, with $599 million, followed by the Doctor Strange sequel with $411 million. The aforementioned Thor comes in at number 8. So I don't think, as we've been discussing this for a while on the show, that uh, Thor will be the one to knock Top Gun off. And I think I, I can't think of any other movie out there that that could beat Top Gun as being the highest grossing film of this year.
0: Zoolander
1: um, three. Zoolander three, of course. What, what, what was your movie? Oh. Wait, what movie were you filming today, Jen?
0: Not Zoolander three, but I was, <laughs> well. But this is cool. That's yeah, cool. I'm just I'm just hoping to put that in the universe. So it happens, you know?
1: Okay. All right. Zoolander 3. All right, sure. Why not? Christian, what do you think? Do you think is any movie that can beat Top Gun at the the box office for this year, rest of the year? No.
2: No. Well, I I don't know what's still due to come out, but it's got to come out soon, like if it's got to generate over $500 Well,
1: see, that's the thing. So if you can't even think of a movie that's coming out between now and the Mm -hmm. end of the year, obviously the marketers are not doing their job, and therefore they're not generating Mm -hmm. enough buzz for this movie Mm -hmm. to come out,
2: whatever it may be, if it actually does exist. Mm -hmm. My question is: Is Doctor Strange and you know uh, Thor really that good?
1: Um, like, I saw Doctor Strange. I thought it was it was. I thought it was decent. Um, I liked. Uh, I felt it was better than the Spider Man. I am a tough critic, and I, and I'm tougher on bigger are, budget movies because yeah. they have a big budget, so they can do things that the independent guys cannot. So the independent guys get more leeway. Mm. But if you're a big budget movie, you're throwing millions and millions of dollars at this, yeah. you better get it right. You know, you're right. that's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I have right. yet to
1: see Thor. So I, I'll let you know when it well, comes back. Even out.
0: people with money are dumb, Mark.
1: This is true.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of dumb people with money.
1: <laughs> this is very true. That's, yeah. yeah. There's a lot but,
0: of poor intellectuals, too. So.
2: That's
1: right. Kristen, did you that's see uh, Thor see, and or uh, Doctor Strange? I put,
2: should I put oh. my hand up? Uh, no i no i no I'm you know i'm an indie, uh you know indie publisher indie comic creator so i i tend to not want to support these you know these marvel and d c projects but also they're not really what I actually gravitate to I like something uh a little bit more sophisticated uh, i feel like they're for children and it's like i don't i don't think anybody over uh thirty should go to them.
1: Wow. That's, <laughs> uh, wow, all right. <laughs> I guess that's uh the, the the gauntlet has been thrown down.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want, let's let's talk about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, so let's see. Moving on, moving on. Let's see. From the shameless self promotion department. None other than Creator and host of this very show that you're listening to right now has finally managed to make the jump into the crowdfunding world designated a five-part series tells the story of two warring alien races and the teens that are caught in the middle uh, is currently as of this show's broadcast on kickstarter mark says with at the time of this recording 170 days to go before a life-changing event it would be greatly appreciated if you check out my book that has been 30 years in the making if for whatever reason you're unable to financially support this project Share it on your social media. Someone, may, someone you may know who isn't aware of the book might just be able to help make it a reality. So let's go to Kickstarter and type in designated and, and spread that word around. I think we lost our co-host, Den. And maybe she's driving under a tunnel.
2: Yeah, it could be, yeah.
1: All right, so let's see. So then we'll move on to the next bit of uh, news. From the...
2: You fellas have a lot of growing up to do, I'll tell you that. Ridiculous. Completely Ridiculous. Can you believe these characters? Way out of line, way out of line. Have a good mind to go to the warden about this. You know what hurts the most is the, the lack of respect. You know? That's what hurts the most. Except for the, except for the other thing, that hurts the most. But the lack of respect hurts the second most.
1: Department. As most of you know, I was and still am a huge Norm Macdonald fan and as mentioned on a previous episode of the show, we mentioned that none other than Netflix had produced a Norm stand-up special titled Nothing Special after he died based on the material that he obviously recorded before his death. Um, Now, none other than the Emmys has just announced a nomination for Norm in the Outstanding Variety Special pre-recorded category. Of course, uh, we here at A Came For Real have a dubious relationship with award shows, but I feel at least it's nice that he's being recognized. Uh, Christian, were uh, you a Norm Macdonald fan?
2: I'm a huge Norm Macdonald fan. In fact, we're, he and I are from the same hometown, Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Really? Yeah, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I, don't, I, I couldn't watch all of his new special because, I don't know, it's like, the, that close-up is a little much. I feel like his delivery uh, is too, like, almost needy in a close-up, you know? Because yeah. He's o- it seems like he's overselling all his deliveries. Um, but he could be anxious because he had to go into surgery the next day. Um, but I'm a huge fan. I feel like the, his top <laughs> performance is uh, Norm Macdonald Live. Uh, I rewatched those all the time like yes. <laughs> every single day i rewatch those um they yeah i think he's he's amazing he's he's like brilliant
1: did you ever watch his two movies uh, dirty work and uh screwed
2: uh i haven't seen screwed but i've seen dirty work and i've i've read his book twice and i have a review on youtube of it
1: Okay. So Dirty Work is like one of my favorite movies of all time. And I have like an emotional connection to it for for various reasons. I've mentioned it before. Um, It was the last movie I saw with my mom before she had died. And for your mom, who's like an old lady, in the theaters, watching a movie and just laughing her butt off at some of these jokes that were questionable... It's an experience you can never recreate. It's like yeah. my mom's laughing at this; she's laughing at this, and then it's like the one part when the jail, as as I'm sure you remember, oh yeah, yeah, she she just flipped, and I'm like, who is this person I'm sitting next to? How is she finding this hilarious? So that made it even more funny for me, yeah. and she and she just loved that part. I just it was just mind boggling how we had a connection over this movie, and then. I enjoyed it so much, and then she enjoyed it, so it was a nice little thing. So on top of the me enjoying the movie, it has that extra level to it.
2: Yeah, that's a great movie. I mean, that I've seen several times. And I know the bit, you know, like where he's... You know, the <laughs> Ridiculous. The war- warden. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a mind to go to the warden about this. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, so speaking of the Emmys, um, Netflix's Squid Game is now the first non-English language series ever be nominated for an Emmy let alone five that it has received um it got uh, an Emmy for lead uh, nominations I should say lead actor lead supporting actress outstanding drama series which you know I always wondered about that what about the regular drama series like why does it have to be outstanding drama series um and two supporting actor nominations um I have never seen Squid Game. Apparently, it's uh, Netflix's highest uh, watch show. So I guess I might be missing out. Uh, Christian, did you see uh, Squid Game at all?
2: No, but I'm a little worried. I'll tell you why. Uh, last time, one of like a foreign film was uh, nominated, you know, and won all these awards. It was Parasite, and then and then right after it won, we went in two years of a pandemic. <laughs> so, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to find <laughs> patterns, but hopefully there's no patterns.
1: <laughs> that's that's a good that's a good one. All right, uh, all right. So moving on, moving on. Let's see. From the speaking of Netflix, uh, from the is it live or is it Memorex department, uh, in an attempt to get more subscribers watching their programs. None other than Netflix has announced that they are releasing a new spatial audio option for the more popular titles such as Stranger of Things, uh, The Witcher, The Adam Project, uh, Squid Game, uh, with more movies and TV series to be upgraded in the future. Executives say <clears throat> often the subtlety of sound goes unnoticed, but it can have a profound impact on the atmosphere of a scene and fundamentally change the audience's response. Some of the most iconic moments in TV and film are defined by immersive moments they create in sound. Netflix spatial audio helps translate the cinematic experience of immersive audio to any stereo so the work creators do to bring the story happens no matter what device you use to watch Netflix. This magical combination of sight and sound will bring viewers closer to the story, and we're really excited to add this capability to other features we support. Now, um, I used to work at a movie theater and the one thing that was a big draw in movie theaters was the sound. They felt that the screens could only get as good as you can get them because it has to do with the projector, the actual screen itself. Um, That's where the the 3D projectors came in because it was just more money and the the ticket prices went up. But sound, you can just throw money in there. Mm. So do you think that having a streaming service putting all this money into sound is a good idea of best use of their money, especially since we know that Netflix has been having some trouble recently with, uh, with money and, uh, subscribers.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know if it's wise. I feel like any improvement is good though. Um, I can speak that I love Dolby and movies in Dolby sound are noticeably better. Uh, in in the theaters especially because usually a Dolby theater also has better seats, but um, they can't guarantee that. So I'm sure they're, I don't know. I mean, I think somebody should lead the pack in, in like a total, um, you know, uh, like streaming experience in terms of sound and visual. And they certainly have the largest investors, uh, maybe Disney too.
1: I think it's, I think it's kind of weird because, as as the the biggest complaint about streaming services is, and movies on streaming services is that people don't watch it in the traditional television setting. They watch it on the phone. They watch mm. it on the train. So, like, do you really need that extra level for sound, or should they just fo- be focusing more on better content? I think if if I if they had to pick one, if you're going to throw money at it, content is the way to go. Well,
2: is it coming from some sort of Poll that they've taken. Does the article say that?
1: No, it does not. It just says that that's where they decided to to throw money at sound because sound is the only thing you can really enhance in this situation. Like for for Netflix, you put it on whatever device you're watching it. Is that's how good the quality is. It can't get any better on on streaming services. But the sound you can play with a little bit. You can add audio tracks. You can have all this stuff, and then it's up to the device that you're listening to to be able to translate and you can hear
2: better. I don't know, Mark. I mean I, feel, I mean, I feel any improvement is good improvement. Yeah, sure enough. If they have the resources to do it, why not?
1: That's, that's, a, that's a valid argument. So that's it for the news. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the cane from the radio.
0: Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at Hotmail.com.
2: Michael McManus, I played Kai on Lex. You're listening to It Came From The Radio.
1: Now, back to our show. And welcome back to It Came From The Radio, the Big Apple we are here live, virtually distance, of course, courtesy of the East Metal Public Library for our 58th live show. I am here with none other than our special guest we're going to be talking to with and about, who we have been talking to with and about, which is awesome because he's here. It's Christian S. Lewis.
2: Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm back. <laughs>
1: So I want to mention that uh, the East Metal Public Library has tons and tons of programming. Um, every day, they usually have something going on. Uh, most of it is free. So just go to www.eastmetal.info for more information. Uh, our show is uh, always on the second Wednesday of every month. Um, go make sure you guys check it out. Make sure you register for all the programs. Like I said, most of them are free, and they have varied stuff between uh, our show. Uh, they have uh, yoga. They have drawing. They have all kinds of things for all ages. So make sure you guys go check that out. So Christian. I guess um, the first question, which is, uh, what does the S stand for?
2: Oh, my God. I I was afraid of that. (laughs) Uh, It stands for Sabine. Ah. Yeah. It's my middle name. I've always signed CSA as an acronym on all my artwork, so then I keep retaining the S. Ah. But you're one of the few people that even cares to, uh, <laughs> to ask it, it, you know I, I shed a tear each time I mention my name and nobody asks
1: <laughs> well I always find that whenever a person uh, makes it a point to have the middle initial you should ask what it is for I'm, I'm curious because yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're aware but some actors make up a middle initial that don't mean anything for example the one I think off the top of my head would be Michael J. Fox the J doesn't mean anything
2: oh, it doesn't it no because-
1: good. because there was another uh, another Michael Fox, and the way the the screen actors skill goes, you cannot have the same person have the same name, so he had to add the j and it's like ah, oh. j and that's how he became Michael j fox yeah.
2: see oh I see uh yeah, similar case for me
1: so you started in Canada, yeah. As an artist, an animator, what, what, was, what was your passion to start off with? And then how did you wind up in Manhattan? What are you doing now?
2: Uh, by way of Vegas, because I lived <laughs> in Vegas for three years. Really? Before, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I started out in, in Canada, but I think, like, I was always, well, first in high school, I, I pu- published a comic book. It was kind of more of a zine and then I distributed myself. And, uh, and then I went to college for animation. But my idea in college was to expand on those skills as an artist and maybe get out of uh, like the work I was, cur- I was doing at the time. Because I, uh, I took, like I finished high school and then I took a year off. And then I was working at a fast food place named uh, Harvey's Restaurant. Uh, in Canada. And uh, and I was like, well, if I don't do any college, I'm just, this is it, <laughs> this is the end of the road. And uh, that was a really uh, a depressing uh, thing. So uh, so then I did college for that. And then I, I worked in the field briefly, but then I also did uh, a couple of years of creative writing and uh, studio art in university after that. And then after that, I figured like, hey, I have enough skills to just be an artist. So, uh, so then I and quit everything. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, so I just quit everything. Um, and, uh, and then I was broke for four years. <laughs> and, and then what happened? So, and then I started to teach um, in little community centers for the city. And then I started to have like art shows I was doing. Like I would bring my art to like raves and I would have a little yeah I would have a booth like you'd see in the comic convention so I'd have a table and I'd have like a box with like small artworks you could flip through like comics and then sometimes I would like have a large canvas and I'd do uh paintings and then so all kinds of uh people that were high would approach me (laughs) and occasionally (laughs) uh was it a requirement
1: that they had to be high to approach you was that like a sign out there
2: No, I was just, I just assumed, I guess I i didn't mean to sound <laughs> judgmental. But.
0: Why raves? How come raves? Why not libraries or gyms or grocery stores? Why raves?
2: Oh, no, no. I was, do, I was doing that too. It was just like uh, whatever opportunities uh, uh, come, you know, like whatever opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of bars would have uh kind of live painting. So, you, you know, it didn't cost me anything to just do some live painting. Sometimes they'd have an auction, an art auction during that same night where the, a lot of artists would just kind of bring their artwork all just that night and people, you know, people bid on it. And uh, so it's like all really odd opportunities to just make a living.
0: Hmm. Really cool. Interesting.
2: Yeah. yeah. Do you find and How long it... did
0: that go on for that stage of like hustling and going to random places?
2: Well, yeah. So that stage was basically, this is what I was doing during that stage. That, that, well, the quick answer is it may be like eight years. Like okay, that's I was thinking. Yeah, because I was doing teaching on mostly weekends at a community center. I was uh, serving and doing commissions online on like websites like freelancer.com and guru.com. Uh, and then uh, and then I would just try to have like art shows and cafes and, uh, you know, Hustle
0: and sell paintings
2: wherever I could. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So Do you that, find hustle, was my, you that was my business model?
1: <laughs> hustle. That's that's a great business model, actually. Hustle. That's um,
0: why I'm weird on this call. I'm hustling. I'm working today.
2: Work
1: Do you find it to be uh, extra pressure to paint while people are watching you?
2: No, no, no. It's uh, I I you know if i wasn't painting out i'd be just at home painting and that's kind of boring mm-hmm. so okay. so it was an opportunity for me to socialize and and during those years uh i ne- i never afforded myself uh the luxury to go out and only just socialize i always uh, combined it with some sort of business venture and i yes. you know yeah like i never drank uh i but... i stopped Smoking. I used to smoke eight packs, uh, sorry, three packs a day for eight years. Um, What? Oh my God. Cold turkey when I became professional and uh, because I was broke, I couldn't afford it. So uh, uh, I stopped dating for several years uh, and uh, and then, you know, uh, and then I would uh, just uh, just work (laughs)
0: Now, did anyone ever say anything to you or did anything ever happen that made you quit or feel okay. like quitting?
2: Were you almost quit? Being an artist?
0: Yes.
2: Well, I burned every other bridge. That's the trick. Okay.
0: You yeah. don't give
2: yourself uh, like a way an to hour. go back. Yeah. So Because okay. okay. I, I used to work in uh, animation studios and, and my animation friends know this. Uh, well, when I came back from university... I I made one mistake where I went in and I was a little cocky because I I I did more than the college guys. I went you know studied creative writing and studio art and stuff. So I thought it was a bit big shot. So I I walked in the studio. We're all like mingling in this, and then I uh, and then so you know how like a, a place the, the the people that work there they can badmouth you know everybody in the in the show and in, in the business. So. So they were saying, Oh, this show sucks. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the scripts are so terrible. And I chime in, I say, yeah, I mean, I, I could write a better script uh, with, with my eyes closed. And then the director, that. the director was there. <laughs> so then for, uh, for many months, uh, they wouldn't hire me until eventually they, they, uh, my friends put in a good word. But by that time I kind of lost my mind. Uh, cause I was working at a staples. I was working at a cafe, uh, like a coffee house. Um, and then I got fired from a newsstand. That was very emotional.
0: <laughs> how did you like, get fired from a newsstand?
2: <laughs> well, I just sucked. I wasn't sociable. I, I wasn't sociable at all.
0: You have to be sociable to be in a newsstand. I don't know anything about this.
2: I, you have no idea how strange uh, a time it was. Right at that moment, when I was transitioning and you know burning uh, bridges, so uh, <laughs> uh, they so they my friends, you know, vouched for me and. They said like, bring this guy in. It's like pathetic. You know, we go up to staples and he's like just, you know, stacking shelves. And you know, He's really talented. So they, they finally called me, they bring me in. But by then I was too late. Uh, I had already set my mind that I didn't, I didn't want to accept the job. Mm. I, I took it for like a day. And, okay. uh, and then I One
0: quit.
2: staple. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is at the animation studio. Oh, oh, yeah. So, uh, so I took that and that could have been lucrative, uh, cause I was making good money uh, as an animator. Um, but then I quit immediately cause I was just kind of like, it was a strange, strange time in my head at that time. And, uh, so then I burned that bridge and then I, I, I can never go back. It's just, and now it's too late. I mean, I, I do like I, one of my uh, projects now is a music video that I'm animating, but, oh, but wow. I, I have, you know, I still do. I, I still use my skills, but, uh, uh, but I don't work with all any of those studios that I did before.
0: Do you miss it? Do you wish you were working for these studios?
2: No, because the problem is they don't like they don't let you take a nap.
0: <sighs> oh, when okay. you want to. Like, okay, that's why I left the set. They're all going to eat cannolis after. I say, excuse me, I got a radio show and I got a nap. I got to sleep. And yeah. you always want to mix your business with pleasure. And we did business all day. Why are we cannolis? It's not healthy. Right. So I'm with you on the mix. You got every everything
2: has to have a purpose. I feel like, and it adds up. Yeah. Well, uh, I have another uh, little animation story. Uh, I worked on this uh, film, feature film. It's called um, <laughs> the um, uh, the triplets of Belleville. Anybody heard of it? I have not. Okay. okay. Well, it's like it's kind of a notable thing. Anyway, I got fired for sleeping on my desk. So. Oh my god. Uh, but the point is that, like, now as a freelancer, I mean, if I am, you know, like, tired, I could lay down and nobody's like, right. you know. So um, no,
0: how, why were you so tired? Like, what were the hours?
2: Like, was <laughs> it was, and I'm, just, I'm just using an example. I wasn't, like, <laughs> that tired. Um, yeah, I wasn't that tired. I was just <laughs> using, like, I'm just saying I'm in charge of my, my own regimen. No, no, and I I'm like just curious,
0: that. though, but if you were sleeping at your desk, like, what made you sleep at your oh. desk?
2: Like, well, why are you so tired? Um, well, yeah, I was just like... Because you're going
0: to raise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, at that point, it was different. I was unmotivated by the job because I had... Uh, I had a... a the, there was every workstation in uh, animation studio has one job that's revolving that nobody can ever keep and uh, nobody's oh. ever good enough for that job. And it's always like grunt work. So I had to, in between... Okay these uh, these drawings and they were really boring work. So I was not motivated. I thought it was like, not a, a good use of my talents. Got and, it. Uh, and then, you know, so I would just like take smoke breaks every hour and, uh, and then sleep on my desk. So, so the
0: job puts you to sleep. So anyone with insomnia, maybe they should get this job.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> you're gonna get fired.
1: I think most jobs don't like it when you're sleeping on the job.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're in a sleep study. Oh, that,
1: there you go. Yeah. You were right.
0: Or you're yeah. hired by a necrophiliac. They probably like it. Or no, they're dead.
2: You know, you play dead.
1: It's terrible. Dead. It's terrible. And
2: they, not, mm, I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to touch that.
1: There you go. Not taking a bait. Good job. I'll, Good I'll job. Touch you're, it. Learning. I'll
0: touch it. you're learning. You're uh-huh. learning. Take the bait. Take the bait. <laughs>
1: so how does so how does all this translate to you writing a book
2: well um <laughs> well, initially it started uh when I wrote it's a living what the first concept was that I wanted to uh write a memoir, you know like everybody always you know wants they they think their life is interesting and they want to write a book
1: to them that it was, is
2: <laughs> yeah so that that was me. I thought my life was interesting, and it is interesting the way I say it. So, uh, so, uh, so you think, <laughs> yeah, so I think, so I, I, but you know, I'm just a dude, you know, like Norm Macdonald says, so I'm just a dude. <laughs> um, right. right. so, you know, I'm not like anybody famous that's going to sell a bunch of books, you know? So my initial title based on that Never was know. was going to be, uh, on that, uh, Melvin and the Blue Notes tune. Uh, if you don't know me by now, that was going to be the title. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, So I figured, well, nobody's waiting for my memoir. So why don't I uh, try to give something back and make it useful in a way. So I decided to focus the book, not on like, you know, my romantic escapades or anything like that. (laughs) Uh, Did you have a lot
0: of romantic escapades? (laughs)
2: so i didn't want to focus on that <laughs> okay. We're gonna, okay we're just gonna we're just going right past that Keep going. this
0: is like the epstein trial i plead the fourth the 15th the 27th the 29th okay all
2: right all right uh no i'm kidding so um uh, <laughs> so uh so anyway i didn't want to focus on anything that was like kind of uh you know uh it it, it, it doesn't have value if if the if the reader doesn't really necessarily uh, know me or identify with me. Mm, So, uh, so that's why I focus on a certain period of my freelancing career, my professional career. And, um, and then it does have some personal anecdotes within that, you know, like life lessons. So it's very philosophical and, and, and very literate. I like to think it has like an arc um, in the way the chapters are, are, are put and, um, And and then there's like a lot of uh, meaty uh, and useful information about being a freelancer and uh, working for yourself in general.
1: So what is the biggest surprise that you can convey as being a freelancer that people don't really think about?
2: Yeah, what people really don't think about?
1: Yeah, like if you say I'm a freelancer, they normally think of certain things. So you can say what this one thing that no one ever really thinks about. But this is like that's the biggest surprise. Oh, I didn't know freelancers right. do this.
2: You know, well, I I don't know. In in my experience, I feel I had to do things the the hard way, um, and and I think some freelancers come about it easier, or maybe they make it look easier. But, um, but I, see, I am a freelancer, but I don't see myself as that. I see myself as an artist. And as an artist, I I feel you should always be striving to, to, to build like your character and to, to learn uh, new things all the time. And, Mm -hmm. And that's actually, that's, uh, that's actually like also what I struggle with, because sometimes in, in my career, I'll, I'll hit on uh, either like an art style or, or like a jo- a type of job that works. Um, and I could just do that nonstop and like put all my eggs in that basket and mm. make a decent living. But I get anxious. It's not about ang- maybe not anxious, but uh, I get restless. And okay. and I want to once I feel like I've mastered something, I want to do something else because I want to challenge yeah. myself. So so I, so maybe that's the challenge. If anybody is like somewhat like me, <laughs> um, you know, it's focus. Uh, it, it's like kind of sticking with one thing and, and, and elaborating on, on one aspect of your career where you can. Mm-hmm uh join all your interests that's the challenge and so you kind of you have all your interests and if you can funnel them into like one one business uh model of like a couple of things uh you know uh, main things that you do uh i think that's probably the the road to long-term uh success and happiness i was at
1: a uh, I was at a convention um two weeks ago and i was overhearing a conversation And the lady was like, "Um, the one thing about being an artist is that you're born with the need to create. It doesn't matter how good your skill is or anything else. That's what you need to do is create. You have to keep on creating. So I think that's kind of a similar thing of what you're saying, that you just have to keep on doing, keep on moving forward and keep on making more. Mm -hmm. So what do you think would be Christian doing Five years from now, 10 years from now.
2: Yeah, I want to well, know. Oh, well, thanks, Jen. Um, I do. Think- well, well I, I always make business plans. I make them two, five, and like two, five years. Uh, and then uh, and then I have like uh, long-term visions of, you know, like ideals of, you know, when I retire, what sort of work I want to do. So I always have like general ideas of that. Um, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm rebranding my art school and that's, that's the long-term goal, uh, which is masterpieceartschool.com. That's my main focus. I, you know, I decided to focus on that, uh, during the pandemic when I pivoted, uh, I was writing a couple yeah. of s- feature screenplays and, uh, and I decided to then adapt one of them into a novel, which I'm still work like. Rewriting now, and um, and then I uh, re uh, re branded my my art school and uh, started recording new courses. Are you to have
0: a theme song, masterpiece art theater. My old man, couldn't be weirder. Welcome. Like, are you gonna have a jingle, maybe?
2: No, but I'm gonna have like a fake robot.
0: Fake robot. <laughs>
2: yeah not that a, to a
0: real robot?
2: Wasn't that like on one of the shows? Like, I don't know. Like a, just a fake, ro- like square, boxy robot?
0: Oh, God. I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. I just thought a jingle would be cool, you know, for the whole brand. Do
2: you, you want to help me with that, Jen?
0: I don't mind. Sure. Okay. Right. not sure.
2: All right. So then uh, we'll work on a jingle.
0: Jingle all the way. Best of all the way, real. baby. That's the piece
2: well so,
1: as an artist, <laughs> do you find yourself being more critical or less critical of your students?
2: Um, well no i I'm very encouraging, you know, and my long term students they they don't need me to sugarcoat things, you know, but like new students i would uh You know, I'd be very, very uh, careful not to discourage them because they have an interest, and they're trying. Whatever effort they're making, uh, you know, is is, you know, that's all you can ask. I mean, that's all they're capable of. So you can't demand anything of them that they're not capable of.
0: You could do what one teacher I know does. They hook them. They're nice for the first few classes, and then. then they lay the hammer down. It's like, oh boy, you're already MK Ultra, and you're already in, and you're already under the spell. And you're like, this is my teacher, and this is my sensei. And then he's real mean. You could do that.
1: Is, is that the plan? Is that how it works?
0: <laughs> it is how it works for some classes. Yes. Yes. You're
2: taking classes like There's these. Two people done? I'm thinking of. Oh, yes. These yes. must be like workout. It's almost classes like or MK
0: something. Ultra abuse. No, they're not. <laughs> they are performance classes. Yes.
2: Well, no, I w- I wouldn't say I'm like that, but but I can tell if somebody's got talent and and mm-hmm. um you know, the thing is I don't know if this is the right <laughs> thing to say like uh, as an art Dang teacher it. but but <laughs> if 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 you if you truly you can well here's the thing, you can have talent but uh but Ambition and and drive are are harder to come by because okay. because so I was gonna say initially that like you know if you if you had talent you wouldn't go to an art teacher <laughs> <laughs> oh. but the, but the thing is yeah uh, but the thing is that uh, like to get good on your own you have to have a lot of drive and a lot of perseverance and and a lot of obsession. And even mm. when you're, and and adaptability, that's the thing. It's like you you're only so good, and and then also I have a theory that like uh, at a certain age, like between your teens, like up to twenty early twenties, that's your developmental period brain wise. Right. So 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 if you haven't like mastered the most complex things to some degree at that point. You know, even if you like kind of like go, oh, okay, this is as much as I could do, but like, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, like I'm still learning things and trying to get better at, at things. But at that stage, you really have to be a, like competitive, uh, like on a competitive level. Um, and if you don't have that, you know, if you think you're going to uh, moonlight like drawing a half an hour a week while you have some mm-hmm. other, uh, job that you're not passionate about and then you're playing video games or watching netflix the rest of the time you're not going to ever build a career it's just a reality right but if you're curious to take my course you can see what my career is like you know (laughs) right (laughs) but but that you know that's all like uh that you're going to get out of it is like uh entertainment Uh, here's uh, one
0: thing that I think I think is important about school at least my my outlook on life mm because I do a lot of different things like makeup school cosmetology school I like to learn the rules of what the standards are so then I can break them and it's like so at least I know what the standards are okay film set expects this level of hair and makeup drawing okay cool that's the standard now I do and if you don't have schooling you don't often know what the standards are so it's hard to know where you fit in and have, a, I think, like a perspective of what the professionals are doing. Yeah. So I like school for that level, and then I just do my own thing.
2: Yeah, uh, I I totally believe that you do need school. Um, you know, whether it's collegial or whether it's like just, you know, if if you can only afford like, uh, you know, a, a certificate course or just an online course, mm-hmm. I think you you, you need. Something for sure. Uh, Collegial, just like any big schools, like I'm a small online school, but like any big school and I've taught at a collegial level, uh, they it's tricky because, you know, they need tuition. (laughs) So uh, they have to pass everybody. I mean, that's what I actually fought with the school about uh, was you know, everybody uh, was not handing in work, you know, so it's like I had to fail a couple of people and they and they were upset with me and then students were upset that I was marking them hard, but they didn't yeah. have complete projects, you know, so you're still required to pass them and make classes easy what? and not be a hard ass.
0: At college? Yeah. See, I thought it was the opposite because if you fail someone, now they have to take the class again. Now they make more money. <laughs> no?
1: Well, but would they but... want to take the class again?
0: I mean, I went to American University and they had this thing freshman forgiveness. So, basically, if you fail everything, you could take it over; and they wipe it off your thing, but you still have to pay for the classes. Genius money making.
2: Well, if they have the money, I right. mean, because they could they they could just drop out, you know.
0: That's true. Yeah. Well, I did that and I didn't drop out.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, That's good.
0: I couldn't graduate in three and a half years. I graduated five because I said, ah, "Let's just fail everything." Yeah.
1: So we are now at social media time. So where can people find out more about your classes, your book, all that stuff on your website?
2: Well, I I have to say that uh, I have a book coming out September 1st, and it's an awesome book. And it's like an instructional book called uh, Easy and Fun Cartooning Techniques for Drawing Comics and Manga. Oh, cool. Really cool. It's excellent. It it Really, because I used to teach cartooning, uh, for you know, drawing comics for many years through school. And then I've done a lot of comics for myself and indie creators. And I've taken all that over the course of my, you know, near 20 year career now. And I've compiled it into a very, very dense, super packed um, format of a hundred pages. So uh, that's coming out September 1st. And uh, you're going to see previews very, very soon. On uh, masterpieceartschool.com, and uh, there's other courses there, social media Instagram, masterpiece art school at masterpiece art School on Instagram and uh, that's about it. I mean, I have my own website, which is csa1.ca. It just has like some some things, <laughs> but mostly the art school is like where I'm most active. oh, and I have a YouTube channel. Uh, you just look up uh, Masterpiece Art School.
1: So, with uh, we have less than four minutes to go. So, quickly, what is the biggest uh, the biggest do and don't as an artist you should throw out there? Good
2: question. Do's and don'ts. Um,
1: just one of each. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> um, just one. <laughs> uh, well, do uh, you have to like really? You, you have to really work hard. It's like, it's, you know, it, it's a shame, like sometimes it's a it's a hustle thing. And cause if you work for a company and you're just, you know, you're getting minimum wage sometimes like 15 bucks an hour or something um, it for, you know to, to work for, let's say a realtor, you're like the graphic designer on, on call in their office. That's not fun. It's not very satisfying. Um, also there's a the statistics that I cited in It's a Living that freelancers, and there's like like a billion uh, freelancers in, in the U.S. Sorry, not in the, a billion. Um, it's not no a billion. One. It's a, a billion, uh, I think, in, in income, I forget. So, um, but anyway, uh, all the freelancers in different industries like entertainment, uh, the average income is uh, 28 to $30 an hour that's the average so it's like if, if you settled to do something art related for some small firm for less than that um, I don't know I mean it wouldn't be very um, uh, like satisfying but to do what I do and what Jen does and, and some other uh, really high level creatives I think is uh, to hustle to do a lot of things at once and uh yeah. And that's a challenge and that it kind of comes back to like what I was saying earlier, where like if you can funnel uh all your interests in, into one area, which is what I'm trying to do with uh Masterpiece Art School currently, is that's hopefully like what you should uh, try to do. Um so the the do is that hustle. <laughs> yeah, like you have to be prepared to hustle and, and not be ashamed of that. You know, in fact like I mean, I I love to think of all my like rave days or whatever when I was, uh, you know, doing doing live paintings and things, um, and the don'ts. We don't have time for a
1: don't. We're almost out of time. We got less than a minute. Okay. Oh no! So <laughs> so Don't so give, so up. Buy, don't give buy, up. Don't give up.
2: Buy his books. You will know all the don'ts, right? Yeah, yeah. September first. There you go. Well, yeah, so, and then it's a living is out. It's, there's an audio book. It's on uh, Amazon uh it's it's on everything so it's a living surviving as a freelancer in the 21st century look it up
1: all right so that about does it this week on the came from the radio join us right here any week on this radio station if you miss any part of this show go to our website yeah. w- there you go thank you then <laughs> www.camefromreal.com the archives will be up in a week or so our next live show will be on august the 10th we have a film actress uh producer and creator Jerry Glennon McKeever as our guest. So with that, we'll see you uh, next time.
0: You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.